everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. Like, I can't do this. Like, I need you to be my sister right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I need you to not be my business owner. I need you to see my sister. I need you to see the pain that I'm in. I understand that this is what happened. I understand my culpability in it. Yeah. But I need you. I need you to see me as your sister. Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. We've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, team training. We love to motivate others to take that big leap. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. And we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Dr. India Perry. Yeah, let's get started. There's so many, so many things to unpack. Choose the word like, nuggets, Dana. Get it out now. I know. So I many know. nuggets. So many nuggets. But um, I wanted to start out with one of my favorite things she said is if you haven't worked through your mess, you project that basically onto others. So what are you projecting onto others because you haven't worked through your mess? I don't know. I think whether it seems like it or not in our business relationship, I'm really actually pretty hard on myself as to like what I accomplish, what I do, what I can do, etc. And I fight myself often on procrastination. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I'm constantly trying to like overcome that just personally, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like even when I'm like trying my hardest and I know that I'm giving it my all, I feel like someone's calling me out on like, you're not giving it your all, you're procrastinating, you're not doing this in a mm-hmm. timely manner, even though I'm doing the best that I can do. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes I take that personally, but it's just kind of me working through my internal dialogue, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It kind of oh, ties in. You probably feel that way because of me projecting myself onto you, but for me, I always struggle with not being like good enough and not uh-huh. being productive enough or not fulfilling what I expect of myself. And so a lot of times what I project onto others is me telling them that they're that they're not good enough. Like yeah. what they're doing is not good enough. And whether that's right or wrong, and I feel that deeply. And we actually just had this conversation yesterday and you said, I'm doing the best that I can do. I was like, well, that's just not good enough. I know. And I was like, but I literally am doing the best I that I can do. But I feel like <laughs> in, in that in the circumstances, we've had like one of one of our busier weeks, um, just the amount of deliverables and products we had to get out was more than we more time than what we had. And like literally more out. We didn't have enough hours in the day. And and then the day, like we didn't have enough hours from nine to four, right? Right. And so for me, my point in saying that wasn't like I like I get we're we're trying the best that we can and we're doing the best that we can within the confines of nine to four, but that's not good enough. It's yeah. like because we have all these deadlines, because we have to get all this out, it means we're gonna have to pull a couple late nights. So we're gonna have to work till 10, till midnight, till one, till two, whatever. Yeah. To get it out. And so I feel like like and I and I do struggle with that because yeah. to me, like we probably could have finished everything that we needed to finish yesterday half-assed and then it had been okay. Yeah. But I just, that's, you know, I just say I'm full-assed all the time. Full-assed all that. the time. 
But I do think that. But I think a lot of it for me is like there is some truth in what I said, but maybe not there wasn't truth in how I said it, right? So to me, it's working through and me understanding that I am good enough. Yeah. I am good at what I do and I am good enough, but doesn't mean everyone else is failing around me. Right. You know. Or that it has to look exactly the same. Because I feel like, too, like concerning that particular conversation, just like keeping it real, like I haven't been working nine to four. Like mm-hmm. I have been I have been taking stuff home. We worked most of Monday. Right. right. And I worked most of the weekend. So it's not like, oh, I'm just trying to do all this work in the confines of these hours. Right. I am giving all the hours. And I really don't subscribe like philosophically to like a hustle mentality because I know my limit. Like for me, like when I'm like really super tired and exhausted, it's like diminishing returns, mm-hmm. right? Like my time could best be served, like pausing, re-energizing, whether that's like taking a nap or taking a break or whatever, and then getting back to it later or early the next day or whatever. Like for example, this morning, I've been very committed to yoga every morning because I've just had to keep my mind right and focused and all those things. I gave up my yoga made sure I was at the office before eight o'clock, which I know is not amazing to you, but it's amazing for me. Yeah, no. And dressed with makeup on. Right, right, right. So there's that. So I, and I think this is, this is where a lot of tension in our relationship comes in. Truly, if you want to be like real about it, this is where the tension comes into it. And, and like, I, I work from probably like eight to four 30 most days for the most, most of the time. Right. And I work a lot of Mondays. I don't I don't normally take Mondays off. And a lot of that's because we don't work weekends anymore. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be right. working Mondays. Like we have our weekends. We just because we're the bosses mean I don't want to work on a Monday, even though I have all the work that it needs. Like we have We, we have, have to, to do work. sometimes have, you gotta get stuff out. But I mean, it's not to me how I feel about it. It's not sometimes. It's an every Monday thing yeah. at this point in our in our where we are in our business and the amount of work that we have to do. Like every single Monday, I do not open my computer, I do not clean out my inbox, I do not work. I fail that entire week. Mm-hmm. That entire week I do because yeah. you basically are we're basically saying that we need to do a full time job within thirty hours, right? Well, because, yeah, and I would hazard to say it's like a full time plus job, right? So it doesn't make sense to it. But like for me, what's fr- like I I can push through my exhaustion and yeah. I can get it done because I I will not sleep. Like it, I cannot sleep when I have all these things. Like even you know, like last night worked to like. A little after midnight is when yeah. I finally left the office and I got home and I didn't go to bed till after one because I yeah. could not shut it off because I knew I only got to a point. Like I knew we still had these four things I had to get done in the morning. And you call me in the morning. I was like, I'm not getting there till nine, blah, blah, blah. And I got there like at 8, 15, <laughs> like, cause I couldn't not, not yeah. be there. Right. Yeah. But I think that's, to me, it's, it is about expectations and, and about each other certainly. And yeah. like, and I think that just the way I work doesn't necessarily mean it's the way that you have to work, right? And it doesn't mean because I can work until midnight that you have to work until midnight. Yeah. It's it's to me, it's having that really uncomfortable conversation and hard conversation of like these are the deadlines and however you want to get it done, like you need to get it done, but there's no excuses if it's not done. Like, sure. like and and I think that's where we haven't had that that conversation where it's just been like, oh, I understand you had a kid's basketball game, or oh, I understand your kid was up all night or whatever. And like I can give grace in that sense, but like when it affects like how like I like if I feel like I've been busting my ass about things and I don't feel like I have, don't get me wrong. I feel like oh. I've jumped into like a shit show because I like because I haven't done anything for th- I didn't do anything for three weeks over the break, right? So like I feel like my own my own mess was overcome by our communal mess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
No, so, I, I, I 100% know that about you. Now the listeners do too. Like, <laughs> I totally know that about you. I would like to say that I, I like the, okay, here's the things that I need for you to do. And I will say, like, kudos to Dana, and this is especially on the appreciation. I appreciate you setting me up for success this morning because when I came in to fulfill my part of this document that we had to get out, like, by the end of today, like, it was like I was set up for success. Like, mm-hmm. I could input my data I could figure out how to like get the PDF and, you know, into a JPEG, which was, you know, a magical for me and import, import into the document, but it was set up. My spot was set up. So I totally appreciate that. But I definitely work well with like, hey, here's a deadline. And I don't miss a lot of deadlines. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not one to like shirk off a duty or anything like that. But there definitely is a point like I'm just one of those people that it's like, hey, like I've hit a wall. I've hit a wall. Like I mm-hmm. cannot get around the wall. Like literally there's just nothing that I can do. And when I feel super overwhelmed, that my first inclination in my body is just to go to sleep. Like it just wants to literally like right. shut down. Like I'm shutting it down. Well, it's because I feel my stress in my body and not in my head. Right, but you know? it's why our partnership works. Because if I if I was that exact same way, we would just sleep all the time. Well, we no, we just would <laughs> things because and I and I respect that and yeah. I get it. But at some point, it's one of those things like I get that this is a preference. Yeah, I get that it is it is a that there is a desire to for whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to do what you say you're going to do. And you have to, either you're going to say, you know what, I've hit a wall and now I'm going to beg for this deadline to get pushed. Mm -hmm. And, and that could have happened. I mean, it like, it's, it's a possibility, right? Like, it's not like, it's not our style. I would have, I would have a very hard time doing that, but, or you're just going to have to suck it up and push through what you know about yourself and say, like, I understand that I'm, that this is hard for me and I'm exhausted And I'm in the middle of hitting a wall right now, but like, there's only so much time in a day. Right. Right. All all that to say is we have our own things that we're working through that obviously even come up in relationships that we're close with. And like, I understand where Dana's coming from and she understands where I'm coming from. Right. And I think the point is, is that I project that onto my employees. Like there's been many times my employees have come to me and I've said, that's just not good enough. Mm -hmm. Like. I get you said you've tried, but that's not good enough. Yeah. You know, and like she re- says it just like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like recognizing that, okay, maybe I need to take a step back and one, probably not use those words, but understanding is it really not good enough or is it because of how I feel about myself and, the, and what I put out there? I feel like this is a great segue in this area of self-reflection when Dr. India said that she attached her identity oh, to, her to her function. I loved that. And then once you attach your identity to your function, people identify you that way. And this is like something I've seen play out. I mean, I could, I'm sure it's played out in my life, but I have more of a, you know, a clear view of your life Mm because I see it every day where you have like identified yourself this certain way. But then when people identify you that way or rely on you in the way that you're like, this is my function, this is my function, Mm -hmm. you resent it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like this big circle. It made Uh me think about that when she was talking about it, Mm -hmm. how like, I identify with my as a as a just as a function mm-hmm. or how I am useful to other people, mm-hmm. you know, but not actually like who I am because your function is not who you are. Yeah, a function is just like a very small part of who you are, and yeah. when you when it becomes such a huge part of your identity, it's hard to escape that, and there is a lot of resentment with it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I love that. I, felt, I like resonated with that. I felt very like, oh my god, like you're just speaking to me right now. And what it did is it made me realize, am I pushing that same belief onto my children, Mm. right? Like, 
When I look at Ada, am I identifying her by her function? But the fact that she, Ada is great at whatever she does. Mm -hmm. Like, and well, she tries hard at whatever she does. And a lot of times she gives like 110% every single time. Right. And so then when she doesn't, you're like, who's this kid? Mm -hmm. Like, what is, what is it? I'm like, well, she's a normal 11 year old child. Mm -hmm. Like, you know? Yeah. So maybe take a step back and think like, oh, am I like giving them that same like handicap? Yeah. I know, Cause I was thinking about that. Like how crazy of a story to be a nationally ranked gymnast to find yourself pregnant. I mean, obviously there was actions taken for that, but it wasn't a planned thing, you know, and then f- to completely upend what you've worked your whole life for. Cause these gymnasts started gymnastics yeah. when they were like in utero, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I just can't even imagine like what a 180 that would be and how, how that would really mess with your self-identity, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I, I was not pregnant when I was 18, but when I was 18, there was a time I thought I was pregnant. And I remember thinking like, what do I do? Like, how do I, yeah. like all the decisions you have to make for that moment. And like, for me, it was a, was I willing to sacrifice my childhood? Yeah. Cause I, because I had so, I just wanted freedom. Mm-hmm. I, like I wanted to go to college to be free. <laughs> not that I wanted to go to college to learn anything yeah. or be anything. I wanted to be a teacher, but like really I just wanted to be free. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, like I've made this terrible decision in my life. Like how stupid were we? Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? All these things. And I I could totally visually see when she was saying she had like these scholarship letters, these adoring fans and a positive pregnancy test. And she had to pick between the two Yeah, and that decision and and owning that decision. But like, I don't know. That's it's intense. That's intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So has there ever been like a moment like that where it was just kind of like a 180 for you? For me, it was definitely I saw my self-worth as it related or benefited other people. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm a good sister or I'm mm-hmm. a good business owner or I'm a good wife or I'm a good mother. And I never really gave any thought to like, oh, I'm a good person. But because Mm -hmm. I'm all of these things and I'm Mm -hmm. like giving 110%, then by default, I must be a good person. And there is definitely, you know, a time in my relationship with you and Mikhail and whatnot that it was very apparent that that wasn't going to fill me. Like that wasn't going to fulfill me. Like I had no idea of who I was or how I defined myself. And that needed to be the most important thing mm-hmm. and not how other people saw me and mm-hmm. define me. And I feel like that's the, how I could mostly relate. Cause I felt like growing up, like in the family that we grew up in, like being the only child and like with, uh, how our family was like structured with our mother being sick, I was my function. Mm-hmm. Like I was how I could be helpful mm-hmm. to somebody else. How could I better this cause? How could I make things easier? What could I take off of somebody's plate? And that was my only usefulness, mm-hmm. right? It was never, who are you? What are you? You know what I'm saying? As a, for me, as a form of self-reflection. Sure. So I feel like there was definitely a moment for me like that where I was like, all right, I am not who I am to other people. I am me mm-hmm. regardless of how other people see me. And that mm-hmm. doesn't change. And there was a time where that did change. Like how I felt about myself changed because how somebody else viewed me or viewed my productivity or viewed my usefulness to them. Mm-hmm. It was definitely one of those moments for me. Yeah. For me, it was completely like the complete opposite of I have no worth. Like yeah. I am literally not worth, like I have no function. I, I have no value. Yeah. You know, so 
Well, like sometimes when I think back and I and I understand like decisions our parents made and and I oh, I feel like we say this all the time. We had great parents. We had great people. parents. And they loved us and I knew I was loved by Clearly, them. Clearly they made us. They must be great. I know. But you know, when I think back to decisions that they made, you know, in the last few years of my of my teenage life. Yeah. And the decision, you know, dad's gonna take Jeremy to Florida. Mom was in the hospital the entire time. Like you had moved out. Like I would, it was not a thought because it did not matter like, like about me, like, because there was no, I wasn't, there was no function to our family. Like I was right. just there. My, my job was to finish high school. It just didn't matter, mm-hmm. you know? And so I've, I struggled a lot with that. I mean, even when I was younger being, and I know it's such a like cliche middle child thing to do, but like the fear of never being loved. And I was just terrified that I would never get married. I was terrified. Like no one would ever love me. Like I was just terrified of it because I just never felt worthy of it, right? And it wasn't, and even I, I, I didn't have a lot of boyfriends before Sam. I had a couple, but even then, like I'd never felt like mm-hmm. it. And then, like Sam was the only person that was like, like just thought like the sun like rose and fell with me. And I mm-hmm. was like, oh, this is what it, it feels like to be adored. And yeah. it's wonderful. And, you know, but I think for me, like that really segues into to me, like when she talked about like how that was her catalyst for her motivation was really trying to prove every single person wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And kind of prove that she wasn't just her function, that right. she was something outside of being a gymnast in this nationally yeah. ranked, you know, person. And for me, it was like, I made me think about, is there someone that I wanted to prove wrong? Like, is there a chip on my shoulder? Is there, is there a person or a group of people or whatever that I push so hard to mm-hmm. prove myself to. And I don't want to say it's a motivation to why I do what I do, mm-hmm. but it is definitely a strong factor of me being successful. Successful is probably my like in-law family. Like oh, trying really? to prove to them that the investment that they made, because they invested in it, like not like not financially, but they signed their they co-signed the original loan and For it was the land. a huge deal. I mean it's that's just, probably my chip, I would say. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Fortunately, so that's unfortunately, I actually use my own barometer as most of my success and unsuccess. Like mm-hmm. what I'm trying to prove is most normally to myself. But in my formative years, like late teens and early marriage, I was a nanny for somebody that was very judgy. Mm-hmm. Like this person was like super judgy, always made me feel terrible about myself. Like I was too fat. Uh, my marriage was never going to work. I didn't wear enough makeup. Like my hair never looked good. Like I felt like every time I saw this person, she was like measuring me up, right? Mm-hmm. And it made for a long time, it really made me feel super insecure about like my appearance and who I was and what I was doing. And sometimes I think back on like with the Bradford. I remember when she walked around the Bradford the first time because she would pop in and out of our life like occasionally. I haven't seen her since this moment. I don't believe. Um, she was unimpressed, like mm-hmm. un unplussed, like not complimentary, none of those things like, oh, oh, you know, whatever. And I sometimes I think back, like if she could walk around this now, Mm -hmm. right? If she could see the Bradford now, if she could see what I am now, despite your best efforts, is what I feel like. Mm -hmm. And I look back and I know now, like as an adult, like all of those things had nothing to do with me, my 19-year-old or 18-year-old self. I was perfectly fine Mm -hmm. and it had everything to do with herself, you know, and when other people are insecure about themselves, they don't like seeing other people successful. Right. Like whether that's in a marriage or whether that's in a career or whether that's the way they look or whatever. So it's probably gorgeous and I just didn't even know it. And 
So I think you about are. back. You I are. think back about that though, you know. Yeah. But but even today, those things like wreak havoc in my, in my mind. Right. You know, like some I think deep down, some of like my physical insecurities that everybody has sure. goes back to things that she said to me. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. But so probably that. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this in the podcast. I think that whatever motivates you and drives you and pushes mm-hmm. you, there I think there's a there's a fine line where that's healthy. You yeah. Know? Because I think if you're never trying to improve or grow, then like what are like what are you doing? But there comes a point when you have to let it go. You know? And sure. I think and I think for me, when I when she said that and she said it was such a healing moment and she said thank you, I'm like, am I gonna get to that point where I, I think can- you're gonna have to initiate it? Like it really hurt me when. Oh yeah, I know. But I but at the same time, I can look at it and say like I appreciate the push. I appreciate yeah. like the drive because you know, when I think back to like who I was in college and in high school, like yeah, I was driven, but I'm nowhere near what I am now. Yeah. Like the 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 intensity that I that I am now and like what I pursue is so different than who I was then. Like I was definitely more carefree and I'm not saying the way I am now is better than what I was. <laughs> I'm just saying, but I I also can recognize that that intensity and that like sheer like will to like get things done is a part of our success story. Yeah, sure. Right. So I don't know. I I hope I get to that point where I can have that kind of 360 moment and be like, you know what? Thank you for that. And it's not about me. Maybe they'll listen to the podcast. I hope they don't (laughs) listen to the podcast. (laughs) And that will be a segue into other conversations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Or holiday cancellations. Either one, it'll be fine. Either one, it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I really like too that she said, and it really got me thinking, and it kind of, it's kind of in line with our 2022 goals are as a business as well. When she talks about, when she said this, she said, organizations and businesses are there to solve problems. And so it made me think of what is the problem that we are solving? And in that same breath, she was talking about how her business, like, she finds pockets of needs that she wants to fill. Yeah. And to me, it's like, what problem are we solving? And are we finding those pockets of need? Yeah. And are we filling them? All right. I mean, that is, uh, I feel like solving the, filling the gap between what people think they can do and what we believe that they can do. Mm-hmm. Kind of like helping inspire people to get over mm-hmm. themselves and over things that they believe incorrectly about themselves to mm-hmm. get to that next step in business. Mm-hmm. Like with venue consulting, obviously specifically like helping venues like achieve those goals and mm-hmm. milestones. Hustle gather like that business yeah. hole there, inspiring other people. So yeah. I agree. And I think that like the are we finding a pocket of need in that? And I and I think for us, like we've always been uh it it's not about how much money you have. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you where you are in your journey that there is something that we can do to help you. Yeah. Um and, and any level. And I think I think that's important because business consulting is really expensive. Yeah, and hire a coach is really expensive. And sometimes, you know, like someone will reach out to us and we'll say, and their budget is very small and we'll say, you know what, like we see this, but like this is, I think this will be the most helpful thing for you and this will get you on the right path to get started. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you have, you know, access to us or whatever. And it's something that's just a little more manageable and they yeah. don't feel so stuck because I think, I think back to when we opened up the Bradford and we were in those really hard years. I don't think I would realize how much a coach or consultant would have gotten us so much faster. But at the same time, like, would we have been able to afford it? No. Right? We could barely afford anything. What is we weren't there. even getting paid. So yeah. like how would we I couldn't afford to feed ourselves? Right. I mean, so <laughs> very 
low on Pavlov's hierarchy of need. Right. So to me, it's like, are we are we are we finding that balance well yeah. enough? Where we're, where it's a business, obviously, we're going to give everything away for free, but then where we're also like helping out those genuinely. And I feel that way, like with conferences and things yeah. like that. I mean, you're do, putting do information out of there. Yeah. We have a lot of free things that are lined up. Yeah. So yeah. I definitely think that. What about um, the Bradford? So I thought about this and I honestly think that for me, the Bradford, what we're trying to solve in the venue industry is, is hospitality, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's looking at our clients, not as a number, not as a dollar sign. And no matter who you are, no matter what you identify with, no matter what you look like, mm-hmm. no matter who you love, no matter about anything about you, that you always have a home at the Bradford. And yeah. to me, like, I just don't feel like that is the truth at every venue. And even even to like or a venue that they could say that, mm-hmm. but you can feel that tension when you walk in the door. Right. Right. Like there's like there's venues that I work at and there's venues that are very, very, very expensive. And I have a client who's, you know, who is spending a lot of their money mm-hmm. on this wedding, but it's not the hundred fifty thousand dollar wedding. And you can feel that when you walk in the door with them right. because they don't value that person enough. Right. And to me, like, I don't ever want someone to walk on the Bradford and feel like that. And I hope that we are achieving that. But that is that is our vision. That is our goal. And it is our yeah. it's a safe place for no matter where you are in in any way, no matter how much money you're spending or who you are, that yeah. you have a safe, warm spot to celebrate an amazing thing, which is committing your life to somebody else. Yeah. Right. That is an amazing and a scary thing. It is. <laughs> so I, I hope that and I think that from there because the Bradford is our biggest earner. Should we have an anniversary, you and I? What would it be, my birthday? No. For our business. I was thinking about that, like our commitment ceremony. Oh. Like, we need <laughs> Are to- Are we going to exchange vows? That's right. We're going to exchange oh vows. We, can we write our own? And yeah, we should. Okay. Well. A partnership ceremony that needs to be celebrated annually. Maybe. Um, but yeah, but no, because the Bradford is our biggest earner, I think it too, it'll allow uh, to over- to to overflow into other things where we yeah. can actually like financially help fill the need of places. Sure. I mean, I have yeah. big plans for that. We do. And then we have C and D. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, it's again, that's kind of like a, it's kind of similar to the Bradford, but at the same time, I feel like there's a need for uh, authenticity and realness and, mm-hmm. and connection and helping people. I think, I think more than ever from 2019 on, I have felt that, wedding being a wedding coordinator or event management or yeah. planner or whatever it's not just about the pretty things it's it's you're really serving that family mm-hmm. very humbly yeah like because you are doing all the things all the dirty work and yeah. you're doing it happily and you're yeah. giving this family the ability to relax and enjoy yeah something and i think that i think that's valuable yeah i i see cnd a little more intrinsically and i think it'll you know kind of be birthed from there is there's a lot of really great leaders in C&D. Like we had a meeting with the girls last night and I'm always like in awe of their innovation and their commitment. Mm -hmm. Even though some of them, it's like a side thing, probably half and half it's side and half it's their, just Mm -hmm. what they do. But they're all so committed. Like they have so much care about Mm -hmm. our company that, I don't know, it's always to me very humbling, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think just kind of raising those leaders and business women to, you know, then be able to give out from that point. So right. that's what I think of a C&D. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Speaking about great business women, I loved when she mentioned that she, 
working with her sister, it makes mm. her work harder because she is your sister mm. and you don't want to let that person down. And I think that this is very much like your zodiac sign, actually. But I feel the same way. Like there is definitely times, not every time. I mean, because I mean, I'm fine letting Dana down sometimes. You just got to do that. Ask anyone that knows her. It's inevitable. It is. It's inevitable. So you just you can't control the whole environment. But there's definitely times where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go that extra step or I'm going to do that extra fast or I'm going to whatever because I don't want to disappoint that person, mm-hmm. right? Specifically mm-hmm. Dana. Because I know that she's going to do that too. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I feel that. Yeah. So I definitely, I loved that though when she like said that out loud. Yeah. It, it really reminded me too. So like, you know, we've had, we've had some pretty doozies of like issues and whatnot. And I remember when we were working through recently and, and it was, it was really hard. And, and I remember you're, we were talking about it. And at one point you just, you just said like, like, I can't do this. Like, I need you to be my sister right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I need you to not be my business owner. I need you to see my sister. I need you to see the pain that I'm in. I understand that this is what happened. I understand my culpability in it. Yeah. But I need you. I need you to see me as your sister. And I remember, like, and it was hard. It was a hard conversation. And everyone's yeah. crying, obviously, whatever. And uh-huh. I go home and I'm telling my husband. And I was like, I've got to get to an end to, an end to this. Like, we yeah. have got to find a resolution and it's not because of me. Mm-hmm. It's not because it's like, well, I I mean, I do I did need it, but I knew in that moment that it was something that you needed because yeah. I knew that the path you were trying to avoid to go back down was so dark. Yeah. That I was like, I don't I I, I don't think I could walk her through that again. I don't want her to have to go through that again. Mm-hmm. Like there is a lot of that too, like where I don't know, like you you really are become like a protector of because there's so much sure. history and there's so much there's so many nuances to owning a business with your sister and like so much that you've like experienced together. And I don't know. It just, I remember that it made me think of that moment actually when she said that. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause like what story led to that thought that made her say that thing, right. you know, like why they are where they're at right now. Right. And like a lot of pride for that, mm-hmm. you know, too. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I do think, I mean, one thing I think about often is we started this business when I was like 23 or 24. That's 22. Like what babies we were and like, know. What do, what are my expectations of twenty two year olds and twenty four year olds? Like it's pretty low, right? Do you know what I mean? But like, how much grace we didn't give each other, and mm-hmm. what we did expect out of each other, and like mm-hmm. all of those things, right. and we were really just still trying to figure it out. Yeah, and I'm not saying we have it all figured out, but you certainly no. have a lot more that you can look back on and mm-hmm. experience and realize that it's bumpy and windy right. and all that. But so I, you you have all that together, like you've done all of those things together. So right. you've seen this person grow and change and do and be but I really love that she mentioned that yeah so I thought she was great I think we're gonna we're gonna end up with our uh fuck up, of, fuck the up week. of the week and I, I and I think this she remember I very like right off the bat she said she was a change agent and yeah. she looked at her roles and she said uh realized it was not aligning with who she knew she was and I feel like maybe when we talk about these fuck up of the weeks yeah is it because our roles and our lines we are and like can we be change agents to make it better? Like change agents to yourself? To each other. To each other? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Have you have you thought of yours yet? Well, I feel like I was like traumatized by the week in general. So I'm having a hard time working through the trauma to get to like any like particular like fuck up of the week. Yeah. And I felt like, I think maybe it's like possibly just expectation, I sure. think was a general fuck up of the week. Like, because yeah. I felt like, I was doing the most, like Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot. And then like the effort, the amount of effort didn't equate, I don't know, proportionally to my to-do list getting any smaller. 
Well, I feel like, well, yeah, but I think what was really hard about the week is we had some really hard conversations that we had to have with people that we didn't have firm answers on. And that always oh, creates- that's the fuck up of the year. I know, but that's like, that always creates such so much strife. And yeah. so I feel like to me, like, so you don't get traumatized next week if I was to be your change agent here. Yeah. I think it's to look at not just what your to-do list is. Mm-hmm. It's to look at like, what are the meetings that we have on that are we have on the books now? And what is it that I have to know and be prepared for yeah. specifically for that? And I think that is where the trauma came in is it was like, oh, crap, we had this team meeting and they're going to ask us all these things. And we don't know all the answers. to right. it, So how are we going to do it? And you we we talked through it. Mm-hmm. We we really processed it. And you had a great idea to get us through yeah. that team meeting that didn't feel like we weren't doing anything. And, you know, now you girls know that we did not have anything planned and we like, yeah, figured this out on the fly or whatever. And I think understanding, like, and I think going back to what you said, like, the expectation of, like, what is it expected of me at this thing? Because it wasn't that we had all these things due. Yeah. It was that we had all these things do very similarly, but then we also really underestimated, like, the effort that it was going to take to do those things. And we've gotten a lot of them accomplished. I mean, I feel good right now. Yeah, I I mean, there's definitely a, a small list of things to do, but it seems, like, manageable in the amount of time that we have. Yeah. At the moment. Yeah. But it definitely felt unmanageable at some point, like Wednesday morning, where it was like, how are we going to get through this? Yeah, no. And I think that's very similar to mine. I think it was just like, I did not properly prepare myself, nor did I prepare my yeah. husband for the week that was come. Because oh, yeah, normally I when I have a crazy week, I can like, I will start planting it the week before. I'll be mm-hmm. like, hey, so this week, blah, blah. And I'll say it four or five times. And then like on that Sunday, when we have like our family meeting. I'll be like, hey, remember, like yeah. I have all these things. And like when I make our menu, I always like star, I star the one that he's in charge of making. And I always make it one that's so easy. It doesn't require a recipe because recipes frustrate him. So it's always something super easy that I know that he can do successfully. And he's cooked dinner like every night this week. And all of them have been recipes, (laughs) bless his soul. Um, Because I just didn't, I just didn't like realize or like put together that I wasn't going to be home for dinner, like, or to get, I I would only be home for dinner, right? I know. I feel that exact same way. Like we've had a kid with like explosive diarrhea for a couple of days now. And Mikhail had had plans to go into the office these last two days. And, and he's like, I know you can't. He's like, I'm going to be here. It's flexible. And I was like, okay. But like, I feel bad about yeah, yeah, it, know. you know, on some mm-hmm. level. I'm like, sorry, but deal with this child. Yes. <laughs> like, I can't. I don't have time. I know. I don't have the bandwidth for it. Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about The Hustle. For our episode with Dr. India, we are drinking a dirty martini, our fave, and we hope you get a chance to make it this week. And cheers to working through your mess. To learn more and connect with Dr. India Perry, you can find her on LinkedIn or email her at india.perry at bcbsnc.com. And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about speaking, training, or consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.